0: Welcome to, I guess this is sort of like a mini crossover podcast because we've got the Stallone Fan Podcast Network with the Slycast members of Craig and Mike Kunda. We're going to get to you guys in just a second. For our listeners, this is the last of the Action Heroes Podcast Network. I guess I have to change the name of our Stallone, monthly Stallone review and call it just the Stallone Podcast. Blah. I I can't call it network. You can't have a network within a network. Those uh, (laughs) space-time continuums can't exist. But anyway, so I'm really excited to have Craig here and Mr. Kunda because you guys, I listened to you guys long before we invited you to come on to this network Craig you were the godfather of the Sylvester Stone podcast Uh, heck yeah yeah. you're (laughs) semi-retired in a sense but I love that you come on and you have so many great things to say and of course Mr. Makunda, I probably won't have to talk very much I might just mute my microphone and let you uh, speak because you're going to have a lot of stuff to say about this film what's going on in your life This is kind of interesting
1: uh, because we'll be talking about the movie Daylight today, as you just mentioned. And it reminds me of something Craig and I had done back in 1994. We ran a terrorist hypothetical uh, in the tunnel. If you shut the fans down, everybody's going to be dead before you get down there to to the survivors. So we have to keep those (laughs) fans running. Now, what have I been up to since then? (laughs) Um, I've been doing the Yo! Philly Rocky Film Tours. That's been getting back up and running since COVID. We're doing okay now. We're not back to exactly where we are, probably about 50%, but I'm still meeting people from around the country, and I'm just really excited for international travel to open, as I'm sure many other businesses are. So staying alive, doing some house projects, and I am excited to talk daylight
2: today. I saw you uh, might have been on Instagram the other day. You were out front of the location where Mighty Mix, the exterior was. Sure. And you said that that area is sort of being gentrified, like a lot of the sections of Philadelphia that Rocky took place are. You seemed optimistic that the facade of Mickey's is going to remain intact. Is that true? I was until after
1: I posted that video and two people from the area told me that there are rumors that the gym's going to come down and that it is going to be in fact some type of a Walgreens or a Rite Aid
2: or something. Wow. Yeah. Rumors right now. I have no proof of this. It's it's pretty remarkable, Mike. We're 45 years removed from Rocky. I guess what this yeah. coming November will be 45 years. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how much of those locations remain intact. I know we lost the tropical fish store, yeah, yeah. but it's, it's still remarkable. I mean, I guess if you look at Rocky five, which is 30 years at this point, there's right. still locations from that. You mentioned last slide cast that the fence, they finally replaced the fence at, yeah. uh, at junior school. It, it is did. pretty remarkable. Like, I mean, Las Vegas has no desire to embrace the past i mean we have really we have the neon museum that sort of salvages stuff after it's torn down vegas is all about offering new experiences so like there's no reverence for history here 2011 and compared to a picture of the strip in 2021 it's going to look very different it's cool that so much of that rocky history remains and and i'd even think mike that after stuff is modified or whatever those locations are still there
1: yeah, they are still there. The elevated train is still there, which is the street design is still there. So and I do have ideas and concepts. Should these buildings come down? I'm going to be working with when the time is right with a local actor circle. I won't be doing acting, but I think I might hire people like a Paulie and an Adrian to come oh, cool. down the street. I have to give people something of value on these tours to charge what I charge. That's going to be a little tricky, but you know, we'll see what happens. Hopefully I won't yeah. have to do that.
2: Well, Mike, your knowledge alone is worth the price of admission. And I got to say that one of the things that we've worried about for almost as long as the Slycast has been on, and I'm so yeah. proud every year that we see it, is that the steps at the art museum have remained intact.
1: <laughs> do you guys remember that, Ryan? Do you remember yes. that, that, that debacle that they
0: were going to do? Oh. It still haunts me. It still haunts me <laughs> that it was almost going to happen. I, yeah, it, I speaking of the tour... Because of COVID, I was actually only a six-hour drive away for two years, and one of the reasons why I took the post and I did in Quebec was I was on my to-do list was to go to Philly for the first time in my life, do the rocket tour with Mike yeah. and all that stuff, and the border closed everything down, and I wasn't allowed to do ah. travel because of that. But it's still going to happen. Once restrictions are lifted and pleasure flights and pleasure boarding crossing is allowed, my yeah, wife yeah. just said, you're just going to go by yourself on a plane. I'm going to go... By myself. Well, then I'll
1: fly back with you. and, then oh, yeah. you and I, I'll fly back with you, and then you and me will go to Hope. We'll climb the cliffs, okay? We'll get like an M60, and we'll just run around the town with a bandana.
0: Nothing's getting torn down in that area. It's all still there, all that mountainside. Right? Yeah, so you could do a ramble tour well, there.
1: We'll call our mutual friend Brian McKinney, who runs the tourism office up there, and we'll just have him take us around. We'll all wear bandanas and get on Kawasaki's and just drive.
0: Oh, <laughs> You're going to be excited for my ramble coverage when I start that. That would be amazing. Okay. Well, today we are doing Daylight. This came out in 1996. We're all about the same in age. I know, Mike, you're not- Plus or minus five. Easy, easy. No, it's nothing bad. Like I'm 46 this year. Uh, I turned 46 this year. Craig, you're- I'll
2: be 53. There you go. What? Yeah, I'm 46. I turned 46 10 days ago. You guys are still handsome though. Oh, Look at man. you. Oh, I mean, no. You still no wrinkles, you know. Well, my lighting's low, Mike. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take a guess here and Mike, I'm predicting that you saw Daylight opening night.
0: Of course yeah, I did. <laughs> you kidding? how old would you have been, Ryan? Well, we were twenty, twenty-one when this came out. Twenty oh, or twenty-one. Okay. So I definitely saw it in the theaters. I've seen every yeah. sly movie in the theaters that has been in the theaters since. Sweet. Well, since Rocky Three was my first theater experience with Stallone. Nice, 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 nice. So I've seen everything that I can. Every time a Stallone film comes out and it's in the theater, I see it. Now, of course, we know there's been right. releases where the theater didn't happen. And uh, our hero, Mr. Stallone, was straight to video for a little while there, boys and girls. And <laughs>
2: yeah, we're getting dangerously close to that time.
0: <laughs> we're very close. First, let's talk about the director of this film, of Daylight. It's uh, So it came out 21. It had a budget of $80 million and money well spent. But $20 million of that went to Sly.
2: And director, by the way, is Rob Cohen, who yes. went on to do the first Fast and the Furious before he got Me too the one thing i got to say is watching this movie, and I just watched it right before we sat down here. Yeah. Sly is worth every penny of that because watching that movie and watching a movie that was really made at the end of the practical effects era mm-hmm. and saying mm-hmm. the amount of time that Sly had to spend in the water and dealing with uncomfortable situations – there's a lot of actors that won't put up with that and right. won't put themselves in situations like that. You have Sly who made Cliffhanger, which I'm sure was a very, very uncomfortable movie. And then a couple of years later, he's back in it doing Daylight, which right. I-, I can't imagine was an easy movie for him to make.
1: That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair point. To Ryan's, I guess, ultimate point here, you know, the 20 million, if you can command that. OK, we know Stallone isn't curing cancer. If they're willing to pay you this, that's because you have that drawing capability to put asses in the seats, as it were.
0: One reason why Stallone did agree to act in this movie was to help him overcome his fear of confined spaces. He did the same (laughs) thing for Cliffhanger to help him overcome his fear of heights. I only wish that Stallone would accept the script to help overcome his fear of good writing. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. He also has a fear of podcasts, yeah. so maybe if he gets over – there you go, right? He'll come on and do something with like you. So the film was $60 million towards making the film. It was paying the directors the cast and everything. They did a great job with the miniature models, the special effects from ILM. They came in and helped out. They had blue screens. So this, is, this was that weird time between practical effects mixed with new special effects were new. Uh, CGI wasn't quite there, but it was sort of there. We're only three years away from The Matrix but it actually works in Daylight's favor because if you watch like CGI movies from 2003 to 2005, ones that just relied on on the computer and not on practical effects, they age much more poorly than this film has aged because it used practical effects. It actually holds up better.
2: My one practical effect argument here is watch the scene with the rats. And if this movie was made today, you'd have 85 million effing rats scurrying around, not moving like rats move, This movie, you saw those rats, you saw the actors responding to those rats, and you felt it.
1: I agree. It never, ever gets better than the actual real on-set acting. I'm not a fan of computer graphics. Yes, they have their place. The cantina scene in Star Wars is far greater than anything that came in any other Star Wars movies after with Ewan McGregor or whatever. My favorite special effect... In daylight, was the rolling of flame when it first starts that ball of flame that takes everything out? Will you see that? And then go watch what Expendables is it where they take Wesley Snipes? Third. Three. Third, three. Okay. So yeah, I've only seen that twice. When the little, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I think it
0: might be the only Sly film I've seen more than you. Really? <laughs> Expendables 3? Well, once with the podcast, I think I've probably seen it three times. <laughs> Honestly, three times for sure.
1: Well, the only thing I remember about that that sticks out is when they land the little helicopter and then Stallone clicks the button and the helicopter explodes. The fake flames that came around that. And I thought, you couldn't blow up a helicopter? It's the Expendables. Mm-hmm. It's old school action guys. I mean, I love Sly and everything. He's what he does. But that scene with the realness, you could just tell. So whatever they did in the in the uh, daylight was
0: brilliant to me. I was going to throw a disclaimer right here. The reason why I have to throw this overall statement about this film is because it's going to leak into everything I talk about regarding the film. When it comes to disaster flicks, I don't like these movies. It doesn't matter if it's Schwarzenegger, Stallone, Christian Bale. I don't care who's acting in this film. Why not though? Why? Two types of movies I don't really enjoy disaster movies and beast movies. King Kong, Godzilla, you don't like that? Or Jurassic Park is a great example of.
1: Okay, I have to go. Goodbye.
0: It's bullshit. Jurassic Park's amazing. What are you talking about? It's boring. I don't. You're get boring. It. Well, probably, <laughs> but nobody's paying to see me. <laughs> that being said, disaster yeah. flicks in general, I'm not a big fan of. And then, okay. but dot dot dot. Ironically, Sly did would give him a B for his job in this film. What he the script that he was given and the workload. Yes, you could tell he was a workhorse in this film. He gave it us all physically. He was very good in what I consider to be – I'm sorry, guys. I don't consider this film to be a very good film. I I recognize aesthetically it holds up. I recognize that a lot of – like they really made a great disaster flick, but I'm not excited by the disaster flick. So I'm really at odds with how I feel about this film.
2: Sure. They were working from a template. Like this was really like the 1970s. I think Irwin Allen was the guy that made the Tower of 70- right? All go. the airport movies, Earthquake. Poseidon Adventure, Earthquake. And, and this I love movie, this stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it sets it up where you get introduced to each character. And it's yeah. so, so weird to watch, but it all leads right to them all ending up in that tunnel there. And the one thing I got to say is, and, and Mike, I'm not sure if you have any insight here. There's got to be like a four-hour cut of this movie, right? Sage gets his cell phone speech, right. and that's about it. And then right. Sage is background guy.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> I was surprised how little Sage was in this film, and he actually auditioned for this film. He wasn't given the—I mean, officially he he auditioned, and officially he got the the role because he auditioned. But what happened was they were looking for. Uh, juvenile Juvenile uh, Correction kids Or whatever I watched a, uh, an interview With Rob Cohen here And it did not age well This interview Because he was basically saying We wanted ethnic He actually referred to them As ethnic kids And he wanted to say Black kids Is what he wanted to say yeah. He said ethnic oh. kids But it sounded even worse he, But he goes But we can't have All oh. ethnic kids We yeah. have to have a white kid <laughs> and, and so So Stallone Apparently says Hey I've got a son Who likes to act but Why don't, why don't you have him audition So he officially auditioned, but I wonder how much of it was like, we better hire this kid to be our st- <laughs> the star of the movie. I don't care how bad Sage does, but I wonder if they said, okay, he did. You know, you got that. I, I got to say, you've got probably what, six years between filming Rocky
2: Five and Daylight. You say what you want about his performance in Rocky Five. Child actors always have a hard time. Sage has his moments in Rocky Five, But I got to say, and I already mentioned the the one big scene he has in this movie, but that cell phone scene where he's on the pr- on the bus explaining to the guy about how he's doing crime smarter so what'd they get you for man they got me for stealing what you up in for cheating on your expense account no i uh i sell cellular
3: phones with clone numbers so uh, how much you get from the register i don't know 100 200 yeah you use a gun no i use my looks of course i use a gun what you think well listen i sell five to ten phones a week for five hundred dollars a piece i don't use a gun can you multiply
0: i ain't stupid man i know my math all right if you're so smart why are you up in here
2: I guess I shouldn't have bought that BMW for cash, huh? It was a really, really good scene. It made me sad because obviously Sage isn't with us anymore, but also that he had a, a real gift and he had a, a talent. In his case, I don't think talent skipped a generation when it came to the acting ability that him and his father both have.
1: Sage Stallone was not the problem with Rocky Five. Okay. He did fine <laughs> it, with that movie. I actually he, did he did fine. I think he did really well. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I agree. He did. And Sage was uh, phenomenal with older schlocky horror movies and so on. That's really what he loved. But yeah, right yeah,
2: now releasing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, good points. So good points. Can't mention Sage without mentioning the time that I was in a hotel gift shop yeah. at a horror convention and Sage was there. That's and I watched great. Sage buy a big cup, a I single uh, Reese's big cup, which I'm sure his dad would be irate <laughs> if he saw it happening. Oh, probably.
0: I don't think think he lets his daughters eat food. Okay. (laughs) Sage was 20 years old when this film was made. Because he's actually our age. Me, uh, Craig, and I, he's our age. Uh, Okay. Yeah, if he was still alive today, of course. Uh, Rest in peace. So Sage was 20 in this film. They didn't say his age, and I think we're led to believe they were juvenile. But he, you know, asking for (laughs) Ashley's phone number there, she was playing a 14-year-old. So I don't know if we were led to believe this. Because Sage looked 20. He didn't look
2: mm-hmm. like he was 15. Everybody on that bus looked like they were old enough to go to general population prison.
0: They were convicts. <laughs> so convicts don't follow the rules. <laughs> I, I think it was supposed to be a cute little moment where Sage's character was like, hey, you know, if we get out of this, can I call you? So what do you know? We're from Maryland. Maryland.
3: Maryland's nice. Listen, if we don't die in here, I was wondering if I could give you a call.
0: <laughs> but this girl's 14. But funny enough, the actress who plays Ashley. Daniel uh, she, Harris. She's actually the same age. She was 19 in the film. She looks 14, which is weird, but she's actually 19 yeah, yeah. in the film. The beginning of this movie where you've got the two guys
2: negotiating about the waste. Thanks for coming,
1: huh? Nice to see you. What I time? Well, I don't have that much time. Look, the gates are gonna be open between eleven and midnight. All right? I got my guy on the gate. You go right through. No fuss, no muss. Don't right? worry about it. What are you worrying for? I'm not worried about it. Let me worry. Don't worry. All right? right.
3: We're just stuff, huh? Whoa, well, that's a lot of toxic waste you got, pal. You got a problem, baby? And I got it. You got it. Now just get at the jersey and dump it. Dumping the shit's a foot or a wrap. I'm taking all the chances. That's why we pay you. All right, the money. Come on. Where's the money? Yo, the money. Come
2: on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. What is there? What's the tip? This the tip? New deal with the EPA. See
3: what it costs. Let's make
2: sure you're there by eleven. Did the PA direct that scene? Did they have a script? It felt like those two bozos were improvising. There was no director that cared about how their line reads were. It was atrocious. I can't imagine that Sly watched that and said, "You know who that guy was, right?" No. The big guy, the big
1: guy. Give me the give me the money already. Come on, give me the (laughs) money. Yeah, that's Sylvester Stallone's one of his best friends for life, Tony Manafo. That explains That was it. one of his bodyguards and <laughs> best <explains> friends. It. <laughs> he's in Nighthawks. He's the bartender in Nighthawks. Okay. When Sly and Billy D. Williams go, and they see Wolfgar, and he shows them, and they're playing Brown Sugar by the Stones. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. So he's in everything. He's in the Rockies. Okay. He's in everything. Yeah, but that's and he's not an actor. But you know. it, it was atrocious. No,
2: it was- and Ryan, I know we talked about Backtrace a couple months ago, and Mike, I'm sure you've seen Backtrace. <laughs> Stop right there. I'm not even, I don't even
1: see it say that B word in my house.
2: What a horrible, horrible movie. You loved it. that we can all agree on. But that opening Ooh. scene made the acting and backtrace actually look wow. like Lawrence Olivier. Yeah. And I'm a big
1: Loudon Swain
2: fan. All right. I love
1: <laughs> Vision Quest,
0: but not this. I mean, oh.
1: well, thankfully, we're talking about
2: Daylight. <laughs>
0: Thank God. Talking about Stallone's living his life of luxury while they're doing the filming in Rome. So sometimes like, I just question just people yeah. in general. I know we're I know there's celebrities and getting the twenty million. I don't argue that. Yeah, this probably was the last film he got that kind of money. I think. I don't think he got that kind of money again on films because uh, the next right. Copland was ninety seven. We know that he took the actor wage so he could have a good. A film sure, he of course, of course. So, but that being said, he stayed at the Excelsior Hotel, which cost the studio $3,600 a night for three months. That was $394,000 was spent on his lodgings. How how often do you think he was in his room for? Four hours a night? I get that he's a celebrity or anyone. This goes for any Joe Blow celebrity or Jane Doe celebrity. Even if I was a celebrity, I would feel sick in my stomach knowing that the company... Was paying four thousand dollars a night for my bed. i be like, you don't have to do that. Like, I, I just say you wouldn't give the caterer a raise. I don't know. Like, okay. I, 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 that's just me. Maybe I'm now. Here's Mind my counter. Me? Sure, counter me. This is a positive counter. I don't
1: disagree with you. Okay. I don't. But here's why the three of us can never say we wouldn't do that because we are not a massive. Icon on the planet. We have not inspired a planet. We have not been treated and elevated to godlike status by fans. Right. Now, once you get through the ego, once you work through whatever immaturity still exists, and now you're grounded in life. Sylvester Stallone is not the same Sylvester Stallone he was back then. He was a great guy then, but he has grown and changed in such ways. As we all now, do.
0: As we all do. As we all do. As we get older, right? Yeah.
1: But the bottom line is, what a lot of people don't understand, know of, or realize is that the studios have screwed Stallone out of billions of dollars throughout the history of his career. Now, I'm not saying I feel bad that... I mean, Sly's got hundreds of millions of dollars and he has an an incredibly successful wife. As far as I know, she probably makes more money than he does because that's how well her skincare line is. And she was a model and not to mention, she's probably one of the nicest humans on the planet. Mm. If the Navy had repeatedly screwed you out of thousands and thousands of dollars and you had to go somewhere you had to go to the uk for three months they said we're gonna put you up in a best room here so we want you happy we want you focused on this we're gonna give you the best are you gonna say no nah, put me up at hotel eight where like there's bugs and no you're gonna take it because that's what they're willing to give you in our shoes now none of us would do that we couldn't afford it we would probably give it to someone else i mean i would hell we'd probably do it for free because we just want to be involved with a movie right.
0: that's a good point and in fact i think we've all had that in our jobs because i yeah. know i've had those exact experiences in my job where the military is what it is and i've been screwed out of free time with my family here or there for stupid reasons sure and there's been times where i got off early and where i'm like you know i don't feel guilty that i'm jumping off early today because how many hours have i not been with my family yeah,
1: yeah so yeah. instead of getting off early why not give it to the cook or why not give it yeah. to the janitor who you know for a fact hasn't seen their family in three months and that's all that it is right but i'm with you i get it for years i didn't understand no
0: that, that's a good counterpoint put in perspective i appreciate that perspective thank you
2: yeah wait till you hear the accommodations the dog cooper had the poop area that it had <laughs> and the grass they had flown in from kentucky <laughs> The soft Kentucky bluegrass for him to poop on. Ryan, that was filmed in Rome, you said?
0: Yes. They, they built a three quarter mile tunnel which is pretty mm. cool, and you would have to because this whole movie takes place in this tunnel. And speeding mm-hmm. into the impractical effects, what I really liked about it, when the water breaks and the concrete breaks, it almost felt like I was at Universal Studios. Oh,
2: yeah.
0: Right, yeah. It looks like a movie set, but there's something quaint about that. I don't know how to yeah, describe well, it. Yeah,
2: well, there was also that moment where it's Sly and Amy Brenneman, and she's on, like, that long cylinder, yeah. and I it starts to shift, Yeah, there's hydraulics under there moving it, but there was a charm to it. Mike, I know we're both very familiar with that area. It's a fictional tunnel, but that was the entrance to the Lincoln Tunnel, right? Holland. It was the Holland? It was the Holland down by um, Canal Street. Okay, wow, because it felt like when they were coming around that bend, the Diamond Thieves, I thought it was the Lincoln, but I guess the entrances to those tunnels are both very, very similar.
1: So Sue and I saw it opening night. It was a Friday night. Went to see it. And then we drove to New York City uh, the following morning. (laughs) <laughs> and we went right down to the Holland Tunnel. In, in an interview, Stallone said it was based off the entrance of the Holland Tunnel. Okay. So we went yeah. there and I took pictures and it damn near fit the whole look of it.
2: I mean, it really did. Yeah. And Ryan, I know you, you had your criticism of this movie.
0: No, I haven't heard it um, yet, but yeah, go on.
2: Well, well, well one yeah. thing that I, I think is really, really commendable here is the setup. And I mentioned the Diamond Thieves. The fact that they didn't make it a terrorist attack. It was a, a series of unfortunate yeah. events between the toxic waste that was being illegally transported and then these diamond thieves that we don't really get to know too much about. How did these punks get the intel for the diamond oh, okay. transfer? Now, but I, I, I really, go really go. appreciated the fact that they didn't go with the low-hanging fruit idea right, right. of having it be you know, some brown people blowing up the tunnel. Yeah, I don't know if that was not to give people ideas, but I like the fact that it was an accident. I know that the Diamond Thieves are, are responsible for it, but it made it a lot less blameless. It was a, a really a true that's series what of unfortunate films events. Are.
0: That's what disaster films are. They're <laughs> blameless. I mean, there's you Get mad at Mother Nature. Get mad at the circumstances <laughs> beyond everyone's control, other than the fact that these... Yeah, so for our listeners who maybe haven't seen this film in a long time, because I actually forgot how this whole disaster started, because I've only seen this film twice, 20, 30 years ago. And so I, I watched it again today for the first time in two decades plus. So I forgot how this whole chain event started. So let's remind a couple of our listeners. Basically three or four people who looked like they were cast out of a Mad Max movie. I I didn't understand their look was really stupid. Correct. You're right. (laughs) They robbed this guy of his diamonds. He came out of the diamond store or the diamond bank. with
2: a, And he had a fax machine in his car. How badass is that? Yeah, yeah. A
0: fax machine. So they steal his car, <laughs> steal his diamonds, and they take off. And, of course, a fax comes in from the guy's stolen vehicle saying you're being tracked by whatever electronic guard. All they had to do was pull to the side of the road, take the diamonds, and leave. They should have left <laughs> the car there and said, you're right. We're going to get caught. And the whole disaster would have been avoided. But dot, dot, dot. Okay. So there's a car chase. Into the tunnel from the cops. The cops even say, oh, look at them. They're so stupid. They're going to the tunnel. I, the guy's a
1: goddamn genius. Right into the tunnel.
0: Love the reaction those cops yeah. have. I absolutely love it where
2: they're like, these bozos. Call the Jersey side.
0: Yeah. yeah so all of our cast of characters, of course, in this film that survived the Well, I got so much to say because. You forget about the nuclear waste. Yes. <laughs> yes. There's nuclear. The car basically. Catapults into this nuclear waste, which apparently is just one car crash away from a nuclear explosion. What are they yeah, carrying? It's
1: illegal. Yeah, but it's illegal. They're not supposed to be there.
0: Well, what is it? The bridge. What is it in it's these rubber th- barrels? It's just rubber barrels, like water containers. What are they holding? It's the, so it's the same. It's nuclear waste, and that's all you need to know. I'll oh, come you on! You know it's like it's like that time I
1: asked Sly. We were talking, and I said to him, "I said Sly, what happened with Rocky's kid when he goes Rocky four, Rocky five he's <laughs> older?" He takes a puff of his cigar, blows the smoke in the air and he leans in and he's got the rocky hat on. This is during yeah. Creed 2. He's got the rocky hat and leans into me and he goes, "You're thinking too deeply. Just enjoy the movie." <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't matter, right? Yeah. And then, how does the Millennium Falcon fly?
2: What's yep.
0: hyperspace? Yep. It doesn't matter. Well, if it yeah, doesn't matter, are. then I'm done with this review because.
2: Well, so, <laughs> no, no, no. One thing I and it sometimes I think it's Hollywood's yeah. inability to do research. But Mike, sure, we've both driven through the tunnels going in and out of New York. Yeah. yeah, you keep your windows up. If your air's on, I've even, I even turned my air off. Oh, yeah. And the scene where the girl is out of the sunroof videotaping, she's like, Video- I'm in the tunnel. Obviously you've never driven through the Holland Tunnel before because disgusting. That, <laughs> it would not happen. That's one of those things where I shook my head and I'm like, did anybody drive through the tunnel? <laughs> Just drive through it and you would see.
0: I know. <laughs> yeah, I, you're so right. You're <laughs> right. And I'm trying to figure out the physics. <clears throat> so the physics are the explosion happens mid tunnel ish two-thirds of the way through. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yep. yep. And both entrances and exits collapse. So they're stuck. They can't go in one way. They can't leave the other way. So traffic can't come right. in and traffic right. can't come right. out. Right. But at the same time, this well, explosion...
2: Well, 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 Ryan, there's a separate entrance and exit. There's um, a left side and there's
0: a right side. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I see what you're saying. So it was just an entrance way so one of the two got closed and not both sides
2: well there's a way to go out so yeah i mean so
0: the entrance you know, and the exit of yeah yeah the, so okay. the, the the one way yeah. the one way okay right idea. right right so one way traffic that's right okay there you go okay let me go back so when the explosion happened and the chaos which was pretty cool to watch ripped through the tunnel it it killed everyone but those people it didn't even dawn on me till the end like oh the only survivors we have are these you know, mishmash of characters that we saw before the, you know, before the disaster, we hey. see them in their, their place of work. Right. We see them leaving their house. We see the, so we get a little bit of a backstory <laughs> of these, kind of like you would a, on an episode of Lost. You get the backstory of these characters, and they're all in this disaster together. And yeah. then dawn on me, say, like, oh, we have quite the casualty count. It was never really said, we have 10 survivors, but we have 150 to 200 deaths. It was never really quite said. And I think had they said Somewhere, a character, someone just said, holy crap, everyone is dead but us. Mm-hmm. Nobody says that. Nobody just says for one second. No, Dipper says it. What did he say? Dipper goes, Dipper. everybody's sorry, dead. Dipper, sorry, sorry. Just, just,
1: yeah, Rocky gets his revenge on Dipper, losing the die in the water, <laughs> taking his locker. Remember when uh, I don't remember not Ray Roy Nord Stallone talks to him and he, he says to Stan Shaw's character, George, he says, um, did you go down? There? He goes, yeah, I, I just went down there. There's nothing down there. Everyone's dead. And they couldn't go towards the Manhattan end, because it was going to flood first. So they had to go past the flooding because they had to go to the Jersey side because the Jersey side is higher
0: than the Manhattan side. They knew they were all; everybody was already dead. I guess words went through. Okay, so he did say the words, everyone's dead. I guess it just, yeah. it would have been better had they just written to the fact like, I can't believe we survived. Something to the effect of like, Because we survived when everyone else has died, we've really got to get our heads together. Everyone needs to get through this together. Now, they did band together. One of the things I hate in disaster films, in this film in particular, is everyone is angry and yelling. And I know you're under stress, you can digress. My mom always said, when you're under stress, you can digress. So they're under stress. And what was cool was Stallone's character, he was calm and cool the whole time. He never got angry. He really kept his cool. And I really liked that character choice, that he was calm, that he was the expert. And people were throwing crap at him all the time. It was like, you know, your last mission, whatever, you're a disgraced EMT guy, and now you're Mm -hmm. a cab driver. Is that a rhinestone reference that he's a cab driver? Or are we led to believe he's? I, I think it was more of a derogatory thing. Yeah, yeah. you're you're the cab you're driver. A cab driver. Yeah, I always wonder how well, do cab Ryan, drivers feel about that demotion? Like this guy used to be yeah. saving lives, now he's just a stupid old cab driver. Anyway,
2: and, and you're glossing over one of the greatest names in sly well, character history, <laughs> uh, yeah. Chit Latoura. Come on,
0: I love how his name is named after the things that he carries. I carry my kit. We should again say for the listeners: so Stone's character Kit. He used to be, uh, whatever they were called, emergency services or whatever it was, two years previous, and they were doing a real like saving thing, and one of the crew's brothers got killed on a decision that they yeah, made. Nick Tortelli's brother got killed. And so he got fired, or he left out of disgrace? How
3: would you get fired? Hmm. Long story, I wouldn't worry about it. She said, she read, you got people killed. She's right. She mentioned it was a building collapsed in the South Bronx. No, she said that... But... Mentioned we were the first ones on the scene. No. And then some of the guys said, forget it. They're probably dead anyway. I read the part where I said up we were going in. Or mentioned that I was wrong. Hmm? The J Gasmane blew on the way out. Three men died. My friend's brother was one of them. She mentioned the press, the inquiry, the
0: funerals. Well, you're a writer. You can fill out the rest, can't you? I'm confused.
2: Is it his it was, fault? He was fired, right? Somebody's got to take yeah, got to take the
0: fall. Somebody's got to take the
1: fall. They, there was a court case. The actor, he played Nick Tortelli on Cheers, Carla's husband. Yes. Yeah, Dan Adaya. Um, Dan, Dan that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't tell the full truth on the stand, and it became very personal because it was his brother, like Ryan said, that
0: got killed by accident, and Stallone took the fall, and now he's a cab driver. That's what I want to say. So it wasn't really anything he truly did. He was kind of, right. he was thrown under was, the bus. He was in charge. Okay. All right, so yeah. he took the hit. He's cab driving. He's got the skills. So this place, this tunnel, has, like, a team big enough to run CTU for 24. Like, what's going on here? Is that is that a real thing? Do these tunnels have that kind of crew inside of some sort of command center? Yeah, and now, especially since 9-11, it's mm-hmm. gotten even bigger. But don't
1: forget, there's a lot of tunnels in New York, and there's the bridges. Yes, we saw the cameras that were still working only in the one tunnel and there was a bunch of monitors but this is a command center in new york city that they have so this is watching all the tunnels everything they're watching everything
0: command post. yeah to me like it was just this was the command center for this one tunnel it didn't even occur to me this was a command center for cctv for basically for all that area
2: i don't know what it cost in 96 when mike and his wife went to go go see it but when I left Jersey and moved to, out here to Vegas, I think the toll to get into the Lincoln Tunnel and the Holland Tunnel from the Jersey end was 16 dollars, I believe, when I left. Whoa. I don't know what it is now. It
1: was six dollars when we went. It was like 650 oh, okay. or something. It's like 20 some bucks
0: now to get in.
2: You're better off taking the train. I know. Because then you got to deal with parking, too, when you get in the city.
0: (laughs) Okay, so they're trapped. The survivors are. We've got uh, Viggo Morrison playing Roy Nord. There's got to be more to that character because he was useless.
2: They set him up as this billionaire entrepreneur. And there's really no payoff for his character. His, His character basically shows that you can't go up the way that he wanted to go up. He was going to spelunk his way up or whatever. There's got to be deleted scenes with the Vigo Mortensen character because there's no reason for him. I took him
1: as if to put it in today's terms, as if TikTok was back then, he would have Roy Nord would have been an influencer. Okay, yeah. he was. He's rock climbing. He's river white water rafting. He's yeah. parachuting. He's an action guy. Whatever he did in his life to become popular, to be on TV and do commercials, a clothing line. He had the clothing line mm-hmm. like Patagonia. Okay, or what's the one? North Face. North Face. He, he was like if North Face was one guy.
2: Yeah. It was yeah. Him. Uh, you know that, and that's how I took it. The character doesn't serve any no, purpose right. other than to say, "The way you think you can get out, you can't get out."
0: Yeah, yeah. His character yeah, right. I, again. I remember his character being a jerk. In my brain in the past, and yeah. it's like, watch him now is like, no, he's just a confident hotshot who runs a company. Like, like we're just saying, he runs an extreme sports company. He's in these videos and what have. you. he's, he's the face of the company, and he does the things that he advertises. But I love how in his car. He has all of his repelling equipment ready to go, like almost like a uh, superhero costume. He's able to pull out his. (laughs) He was traveling.
1: Remember, they were going him and Jono, his assistant. They were going to the airport, the Teterboro, I think. They were going. to... So they had their stuff ready for this. They had their stuff because they were going spelunking or whatever the hell it was.
0: Yeah. What I'm confused about is his. Mission. Everyone did gather around him because they recognized him as a celebrity. Oh, it's a celebrity. So we trust him. So the survivors, and they're like, he's an expert in yeah climbing and, and survival. So he has that confidence, too. He's like, I'll find a way out of here. But what I was confused about, had that area not collapsed... Where was he going? I'm confused as to where he knew that he could. That was the
1: Mid-River Passageway. And you saw Mid-River. If you paid attention in the opening scenes, I don't mean you, Ryan. I mean, like, I I mean, I I mean, the royal you. Yeah, no, I, I wasn't picking on you. If you pay attention, there's an aerial shot early on before the disaster happens. And we see the road leading into the tunnel. Then we have the river and then the Jersey side. Okay, you can see halfway in the river. There's a tunnel there. There's a, a structure built out in the water. And if you can see this, you can see that very similar structure. If you go to the Jersey side in, uh, in Newark, you can see what the mid river would look like for the Holland tunnel. You can't miss it. It's, it's there. So it's a real place where they go. I think it has something to do with the exhaust fans and an emergency exit of that nature. Hands. Yeah.
0: This is, mm-hmm. this is why i was so confused about the layout of the command center, because now that I'm thinking of it, Sly's character walks right into the command center f- from outside the disaster because his cab stops just before the explosion. So that's why he's not – he inserts himself into the survivors on his own. He's in a walking distance at the command center. So this command center that watches all of New York, New Jersey, whatever, just so happens to be next to the tunnel?
2: Sure. Okay. New York real estate's a prime, but you prime commodity, saying Ryan.
0: I, I hear what you're saying logically, but I think as a viewer, we're led to believe this command center is like near the. you literally have the tunnel system. Stan Shaw's character takes his coffee break in that command center. like This is what it feels like. It feels right. like this is like right.
2: – So, Ryan, you would have preferred a scene where Sly gets out of his
0: cab, catches the bus – His need to go to the command center didn't have to happen. He could have done everything. Uh, He didn't have to go to the command center. But how was he going to tell everyone that in
1: 1994, he ran a terrorist hypothetical and that if they shut the fans down, everyone's going to be dead before you get to all the survivors. You can't do it.
3: Now, who the hell are you? We met a couple of years ago. I did a terrorist hypothetical here in 94. Oh, yeah, Latoura, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were canned in 95. I mean you're back with the emergency medical service? Uh, no, not exactly. How's the monoxide level? Hey, hey, wait a second. You've got no authority to come in here. No, I don't. But when we did the hypothetical, I crawled through every hidden part of that structure right now and that might be of some use. So how's the air? It's changing at a rate of about a million cubic feet an hour. That's 120th of normal. And it's getting worse.
0: Well, what's the deal with the fans being 30 feet diameter... The safety protocols for this thing sound very dangerous.
3: (laughs) There are four of those. We can shut them down for two and a half minutes. Each? Total. They're ripped all the way up to compensate for the damaged exhaust shaft. When we shut them down, it'll severely cut their oxygen. When the level gets too low, the computer automatically kicks the fans back on. There's no override, and there's no second shutdown. That's a safety feature. Anything else I should know? There are more problems You don't come out Above the roadway You come out under it Norman What's the combined force Of all the ponds?
2: About 160 miles an hour Me? Right Well that's (laughs) Hollywood bullshit Ryan Everything in Hollywood is its like video game. Hollywood loves video game
0: nonsense. I love how they say, yeah. well, turn, turn off the fans so you can go through them. Oh, they're <laughs> not stopping. Oh, that's momentum. It's not stopping. It's not slowing down, Grace. The brake. Hit the brake.
3: There are no brakes. It's going on. It's own momentum. You've got to stop it.
0: They just keep turning. <laughs> Like, what's the point of having them off So you don't need to run all this energy? Are you just telling me we just spin the fans and we just get them going and then we turn off why don't they turn them off every two hours? Just keep them spinning if they keep spinning anyways. It didn't make sense to me that they don't stop spinning even with the power off. So why do we have this whole discussion about the power coming off? They gotta fill two hours.
2: I don't think Ryan had a Snickers before he watched this movie.
0: Getting a little bit of uh, machete here. (laughs) Well, this is the problem I have with disaster films is it's the same thing. The group of characters, the dynamics they have. Some people start off with friction and then they mend their ways by the end and then people die and usually it's the jerks that die. Maybe one person like the Stanshaw character will die, the one that we feel bad about. We know that they're going to get out of No disaster film just ends with them, unless you watch, uh, what's that one, uh, Ravenous or whatever, the one where they eat each other. uh, Mm -hmm. uh, The one on the airplane in the Alps. That's the one disaster film I like because they ate each other. Good. You're dead. And you're eating each well, other.
2: Clo- Cloverfield
0: so- kind of has that
2: bumming end. But you, you know, yeah, I kind of like those.
0: Yeah, Cloverfield is actually one that I kind of enjoyed because it wasn't a, a happy ending. Like, oh, people died and the creature kind of won. I kind of enjoyed that because that's the surprise. But in, in this film, I, what? Amy Brennan's character and Stallone walk out and were led to believe they might hook up at later? No. No. It's not exciting to watch people run in water and jump away from a fireball. And again, I feel like I'm watching the Universal Studios Indiana Jones play Mm -hmm. out on the screen. See,
2: I I normally get on board with your criticisms here. But I think your bias is really, really showing here.
0: I told you that was my umbrella. Yeah, yeah. And I recognize that it's a well-done film. It really is. It's actually filmed well. It's actually edited well. The score is pretty good. The people that were acting, I think if I was a director, I would have told them, tone down your grief. Yeah, I like they were crying every time somebody died that they know for ten minutes. Half the people I know right now, I'm not gonna cry when they die. Let alone two five minutes ago.
2: Two character moments stood out as over the top, and Rob Cohen really should have reeled them in. The one is where Amy Brenneman thinks they're gonna get left behind, yes. and she's freaking the f out. <laughs>
0: Weird character
2: choice. And the other one is pretty much any scene where the couple with the dog where that wife is freaking out.
0: And I can argue yes, people when they freak out I've never been in that situation. Who knows, maybe I'm going to act like those people. Like I've never been stuck in a tunnel dead bodies around me. I understand trauma can really affect people. I understand that in the vein that the movie was in it was weird that Amy Brennan I forget her name, sorry. Her character was like just flipping her lid these people were going to be saved. hey, you were trying to help slice character out of the water. <laughs> it's okay. It didn't work. You fell in with him. Okay. Now these yeah, people, yeah. These people you, you want them to stick around and be crushed? Let them go. And she was really like, I wouldn't leave you. Why are you leaving me? It was a really weird, yeah. angry
2: – To use like a professional wrestling analogy, Ryan, in professional wrestling, the bad guy's supposed to get heat, right? He's supposed to have the crowd hate him. But then they have something called X-Pac heat, which is – You're no longer getting anger from the fans for the right reason. Mm. And I felt in this movie, those scenes, they got to the point where you were getting X-Pac heat on them, where they became annoying and uncomfortable. The Amy Brenneman thing, I almost turned the volume down. I was like, I'm going to wait till she's done freaking out because it really was uncomfortable. Daylight's not the movie that's supposed to make you uncomfortable. This isn't Schindler's List where you're supposed to feel like shit. It's daylight. Those moments, they got too real. For example, when Stallone leaves the guy uh, behind on the uh, raft. Yeah, my neck's broken, isn't it? Hey,
0: you find the room?
2: Yeah, it's. Um, as
3: soon as underwater passage it's very difficult, I. I think that it was a little bit of luck we could. I said, I not know what to think. I don't. You just have to leave me. No, no. Yeah. I don't know. Not with a broken neck. George. I just need some time Time to figure it out.
0: Jesus. Take the bracelet for me. Please. It's in my pocket. My my right pocket. Don't quit on
1: me.
3: Take it. Don't quit on me. Take the bracelet. No. Take it! Please. Please give me that. Give me that much respect. It's just so much I wish I'd done. I never had the a, a nice car. Never had the kids. I finally meet
1: a woman I love. I didn't even get the chance to tell her that I love her.
3: You think she 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 knows?
0: Oh yeah.
3: You think so? Oh yeah, she knows. She, she knows.
0: Hey, that's good. Get them to the daylight. Don't let them die in this place. Here? Yeah? Tell them I'm gone.
3: You've done all you could do.
2: You would know it, and I know it. I'm very sorry. That scene was wonderfully played. Sly didn't overact it. His except delivery kissing, was perfect,
0: except for kissing Dipper on the forehead a little bit.
2: <laughs> I was like, well, well I don't. but what I'm saying is that shows two actors that really understand right. how to play a scene. Yeah, yeah. Stan um, Shaw's
1: a good guy. I would say Amy Brenneman is the equivalent in this movie to Tommy Morrison in Rocky V.
0: <laughs> no, but, I forgot how annoying her character was. I think yeah. she, she was. Almost acting like she has some sort of like Rayman quality to her. She was all, she was like rocking back and forth at one point, you know. Yeah. She was acting kind of like neurotic. Yeah, like an even crazier Woody Allen type character. It was too, yeah, yeah, yeah. too neurotic and crazy. The scene where she saved the Juvie kids from the uh, turnover prison bus. Uh, yeah. she, turn yes. off the it's power. Like, turn off the power. And she, that was a bad scene. She's. <laughs> I'm, like,
1: I'm like
3: really scared, you know? What about him? Y'all boy having a crack attack. You might as well leave him alone. Come on, help me. Yo, help yourself, lady. Look, I'm telling you. No, I'm telling you, we are not leaving in here. Okay, uh, uh, what's your name? Mikey. I'm like. <gasps> I'm like like scared, okay? Yeah, I know, I know, Mikey, I'm scared too, but but, but I feel so much better if you were out here with me. Uh, no, 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 no.
2: Okay. Okay. Uh
3: hey, Mikey. Okay. Uh, uh Hey, hey, Mikey. You think we're pretty? <laughs> So, So, wouldn't you rather be out there with a couple pretty girls than in here trapped by yourself? (laughs) Okay. Oh, shit. Hey, yo, Mikey! We are all scared! Now get your crack-sucking skinny ass out that window! Now! Okay!
2: Okay! Okay,
3: okay, okay. You gotta get noisy
1: with these kids! Hey, hey, Mikey, I'm. I'm a. You think I'm pretty, right? (laughs) Yeah, I guess. (laughs) Wouldn't you rather be outside with me and a bunch of pretty girls than in here in the bus? Yeah, like I don't know.
0: Horrible, yeah, horrible. <laughs> you horrible. She should, should have said Any, anything. Anything Yeah, and then she wrestles that cable. <laughs> She's <laughs> like swinging on it. She's holding it with her sneakers because it's rubber. I'm with and you then on that. No payoff for it because it hits the ground and nothing happens. Nothing you know, happens. They shut up the, <laughs> the power. They shut up the power just in time. I think was what we were led to believe. Cut the power. Yeah. Did, no. Cut did they, the cut the power. Power?
2: they cut the power? They cut the power.
0: Yeah, they it's, do. Because oh, George they? is talking in the camera. Yeah. He goes, "How am I going to say?
1: How am I going to get her to stop the Cut the power." So he yeah. goes, "Cut." The power, yeah. and then he
2: points. Cut the power. I thought that. I, yeah. I, 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 yeah. Do you notice his his earring game? He had two earrings. Yes. he had the stud and the hoop. Like he couldn't decide. Like normally, you decide: Am I going to do the stud or am I going to do the hoop? He was like, "Screw it,
0: I'm doing both." We should mention that, yes, Stan Shaw has already been hit. We've already referred to him as Dipper, but the, Stan Shaw, the actor in this film who plays the uh, tunnel security guard, policeman, or whatever. Yeah. He was Dipper in the Rocky film who said, you know, I dig your locker, man. I wondered, uh, does Sly and Stan talk about Rocky during that film? Did they say anything? I always wondered, did actors do this at all? Does Stan say, hey, sure. man? Does Stan say to, S- to Sly, hey, I dig having the Rocky footage, man? Was, Sly didn't know Stan had it. Yeah, I promise you, Sly didn't know that Stan had it.
1: But yes, like on that set of Copland, Michael Rappaport, in between scenes was leaning up against a car talking to Stallone about Rocky. And he was taking him out of being Freddie Heflin. So he went over to the director and he goes, listen, you got to you got to <laughs> tell him to stop talking to me about Rocky. He goes after the movie, whatever. But he goes, I'm trying to stay in character. And
0: Rappaport tells the story hysterically. Is that on his podcast? Uh, where was, yeah, no, it's in his new book that just came out. Oh, I would love to actually hear that. Okay, cool. Yeah, check it out. It's good. Who else do we have? So yeah, so Stan Shaw was uh, played George, that's right, and he did a good job. Anything that was bad that the actors did was direction and writing. Did you guys catch the -the over-the-top reference? No. Hmm. Sly, I told the dad when the dad was yelling at him about his past. I'm sorry.
2: what you know you don't have a child down here and his past may have a great deal to do with our future we're gonna draw down here and he's all we've got
3: if i'm all you've got why don't you meet me halfway is that fair
2: enough
1: <laughs> i guess that could be interpreted as that
2: sure i yeah. could see that the dad was uh j.o sanders he's been in a ton of stuff Everything. He's still working today
0: every character had a moment if not more than one moment where they're too excitable they were too excitable or too angry or too emotional. If I was the director, I'd be like, guys, we, I know we're in a stressful situation. We can show this at parts when it represents what's going on. But the dad getting mad at Kit, size character, for making a mistake in the past. If I was in this situation with my kids, so I'm stuck in a yeah. tunnel. The one guy that came down here to help us is somebody who has experience in rescue. He's a rescue yeah. guy. He has training. Fine. You're a civilian. Fine. You're the guy I read about in the paper two years ago who lost a crew member to a, to a bad decision. Right, but you are the best. I don't know how to. I don't know anything about structure, this tunnel, or power lines, or I'm not trained in this. Why do you think he overacted though? Think about it for just a moment. Well, I'm a father and I have kids. He—that's
1: only part of it. What was the other reason that was happening in that family? He cheated on his wife, and he left the family for a short time. So now he's doing double duty. He's protective dad. So he's probably would be more in your ballpark if that's all that it was. He realizes he made a mistake. Now he's got to make up for it. So now he's gonna double duty. In he, other words, he he's projecting got, himself a little bit, do you think? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's how I interpreted it because the wife was like, Oh, you're so good at it when you leave. By the way, do you know who that wife who the wife was in the Sopranos? Oh no, was she played in the Sopranos? You her remember it
0: was Karen Young is her name.
1: Yeah, Karen Young. Mm-hmm. She was one of the FBI agents that was a handler for oh,
2: She was Adriana's second handler, right?
1: Second handler. Yeah, right? yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: We just rewatched The Sopranos Mike and I oh, didn't make that connection. That was oh, her. Goodness. I went out the other day and I got the Sopranos family cookbook.
1: Yo, I bought that for <laughs> Sue about seven years ago. Some yeah. great stuff in there.
2: And I'm going to make Carmela's uh, pineapple regut pie. <laughs> you're going to love
1: it. It's absolutely phenomenal. Do you know, in season eight, instead of Robert California on The Office, do you know who was supposed to be the regional manager?
2: James Gandolfini. Really? And then he, he probably died, right? No. He said he couldn't do it. He
1: said he was Too afraid. Too afraid. He couldn't do the comedic routine. I just wanted to throw that out there
2: back to, to Dave. That's that's amazing because he really was a, a fearless actor. Nah, yeah. But Mike, there and, and Ryan, I'm not sure how, how big of a fan you are, but I've seen there's the series, a
0: book, but I loved it. I've just seen it once, but there, I loved
2: it. Yeah. There's a book that came out about two years ago called The Soprano Sessions, where it's two guys from the Star Ledger, Mike, that covered I the show. Oh, okay. It's yeah, yeah. it's wonderful. And there are so many stories about James Gandolfini in there that Amazing. it makes you feel even worse. I mean, that we lost him as a human being, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. as an actor... Don't you feel he, cheated?
0: 100%. Totally. totally. 100%. I just watched a True Romance the other day for the umpteenth he, time, and I forgot. Oh, my goodness. I, mean, I know he's it's in great it, movie, but it's like, oh, man, The scene so between good.
2: him and Alabama where he talks about the shooter in the tower and talking about killing somebody for the first time. Yeah. So good. And then he... I don't know if you guys remember him in Get Shorty, he was Yeah, Cavalter threw him down the steps. Yeah, he was That's bare. Right. He had such a weird career before The Sopranos. And it, the, the cool thing about him was after The Sopranos, he didn't get on that I'm um, a big shot right. trip. He, did, I, he didn't need the money, first of all, but he still chose roles. That he wanted to do. But,
0: man. You go on and on and on out with the Sopranos. Okay. Trust me. I well, know. Let's go yeah, yeah. back in. So I did have a question <laughs> about one of the characters named Kadim. <laughs> he was the young juvenile hoodlum who was arrested for armed robbery. He was the big guy. He was a big. Yeah, he got a couple kid. hundred yeah. bucks out of the register. Yeah. He's like 6'5 or something. Just towering big over deal. Sly. Ray Nord, when he went up to go up and Sly and Sage were together. And they're like, hey, we got to. Their characters were together. And they're like, hey, we got to get out of this place. It's going to collapse. And they're like, hey, keep going, keep going. Kadim was at the hole, ready to smash them with a rock. Did you catch that? Yeah, of course. Why was he about to commit murder on Sly's character? I missed that. Why do you think? What did Sly's character do to him that he didn't like? He
1: disrespected him. How? Just by questioning his logic. Who are you?
3: My name's Latour. Now, who's in there? There's one man in there, and that's Roy Nord himself. All right, look, that chef's unstable. We got to get him. What you up to, man? I'm in charge. Fine. You want to be in charge? Fine. But that chance for compromise—anybody trying to get through there, that, that whole thing's gonna come down on you. Be patient. A little bit longer, okay? And just trust me, okay? That fan's giving us the only air we got. We shut them down, we're dead, and that's it. That's a fact. That won't work. Neither will this. Roy's on top of it. Roy's gonna be under it. Now well, let me do what I gotta do. Right?
1: Roy Nord himself is in there. Yo, he can't go in there. He, he, we got to get him out. He's going to get hurt. He goes, no, I, Roy Nord told me not to let anybody in there. He goes, oh, you can't go in there. And he goes, all right, fine. You don't want me to go in there? Fine. We won't go in there. And then Dipper comes over because he starts getting rough, puts him in a choke lock, and then Stallone just h- hightails it in. He got away from him. And as a
0: punk, he was like, how dare you question my authority as no one? <laughs> so, and that's what it's all it was. Can you imagine if that crime had been allowed in, in an alternate universe? What would the group done? Like, okay, you just smashed this guy's head with a rock, now what? Yeah, that happens every
1: day here in America. Oh, they just, oh, right. this is just called something else. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> and I just found that a really odd, I mean, it was kind of a cool shot when the fire <laughs> I slammed him up against the wall. That was kind of fun. All right, so let's talk about Sly's action sequences. So he had a few. And this At the end of the day, he's still an action star. He's about 50 years old in this film, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, so he looked great. Peak slide looked really good. Between the ages of 40 and 50, wasted years. Absolutely wasted years of his look and doing films that mattered. It frustrates me as a fan. Okay. Originally, Nicolas Cage was wanted for this film by Rob Cohen, and we talked about bankability. And at the time, ironically, in 96, Nicolas Cage wasn't the big draw, minus Con Air and Face Off, which was coming. But even before that, it wasn't quite the big draw. So Sloan was a bigger name. He still is a bigger name, really, at the end of the day. Sly is a huge name in the world. I kind of wish Sly decided, you know what? I'm going to do these Copland movies. I'm going to do these Mafia movies. Because he had this age and look and toughness and square jaw. And he looked nice, like thin in the face in this film, too. Harvey Weinstein f***ed him.
2: Uh, is there a- Harvey uh, Weinstein f***ed Sly's career, man.
0: There's a scene in Get Carter. Not a great movie. We talked about it. But there's a scene where he's kicking the crap out of the guy in the elevator. Right? Remember that scene right. where he's like right. stomping on him, and is over yeah. the shot. Yeah, one of the yeah, best yeah. scenes. Of it's funny enough. It's one of my most favorite scenes of Slide's physicality. Sly. Yeah, the yeah. physicality. That's the word. It's a Great scene. Uh, it's a great scene. I'm like, why don't we freaking make a whole movie about Sly doing this kind of stuff, like a, <laughs> like a John Wick? Like it just bugs the sh out of me because it's gone. The days are. Uh, it's gone. He's seventy six. It's it's gone now. He's not forty five anymore. He's not fifty five well, anymore. Think about it's just, that. Oh, anyways, I, I I really sympathize
1: with you on this, Ryan. Way more than I think I sympathize with anybody on anything. Millions of us feel that way. But here's my take on it when I look back over it. Right. What you just wished, that happened. Slide did that. He did it with the Rockies and the Rambos. But the problem is everything is cyclical, right? Bell bottoms, disco. Everything has a term. Humans, we're only here for an infinitesimally small right. amount of time. What's the so, part of it? Sure it is. Sure it is. Because you get a guy who's so good at it. But what happens? Sly did a bunch of Q&As during COVID, which is fa- fascinating. Yes. Most of which I'm proud to say I already knew. But some things I did You're learn. One, uh, one of the things that he said, he, he really regrets certain Things that he said, certain people he, he had doing things. He wished he did more for himself. He made certain bad choices that led to a lull in his career. Not until Rocky Balboa. I mean, for six years, he did absolutely nothing. And in that time, he was trying to get Rocky Balboa made. He was just spending golfing and spending time with the kids. And it just weighed on him very heavily, which is what brought him to do Rocky Balboa because he was so disappointed in himself about Rocky Five. So what does he do? Well, he can't be the Uber Rambo 2 guy anymore. Rambo 3, thats not, that can't happen. He can't do that. It, he's beyond that. But what can he do? Well, he can do Rocky Balboa. And Rambo 4, are you kidding me? I think Rambo 4 is one of the greatest action movies of all time. I've never seen any of the John Wick movies. That's just not my type of thing. But, like, I love The Matrix, but hey, whatever. John Rambo, to me, was just as old school as you get. I love it.
2: Rambo 4, for lack of a better word, Rambo, John Rambo, whatever you want to call it, really ushered in the second great wave of action movies. There wouldn't be a John Wick, whatever other action movies we're talking about post-2010 without Rambo because Sly made it very, very clear from a box office standpoint and from Mm -hmm. a filmmaking standpoint that you could still make a movie that had that level of intensity right? and there were still audiences for it. It kicked the action movie genre in its butt a little bit and said, hey, you don't have to make this watered-down PG-13 nonsense. You can still make hard-hitting action films that people want to see. And one of the things that I want to see through on on the podcast, because we've covered three Rambo movies already. We have... One more that I want to cover. I'd rather not talk about Last Blood for various reasons, but Mike, we need to have a discussion, and I'd love for Ryan to be a part of it. I'd love for everybody to be a part of it, but we need to talk about Rambo because that movie.
1: It is, and coming back to Ryan's point, eh, Ryan, you're not wrong. There were wasted years there, but I don't know that it was necessarily Sly's choice I, I just think things
2: and mike I, you probably are more privy to shit like this than i am but i really think that the key to sly's career post 96 is tied to harvey weinstein and the didn't sly have a, like a three picture deal with miramax mm-hmm. app for yes. copland yes. and he never got to make those other two movies
0: All right yep. so something happened are there We're talking off and- camera because I have. A, <laughs> because here, well it's frustrating because in 97 he did copland well received great critical review not the big box office draw, but those type of films aren't. It was just a great film. The Sly was in, showing his, you know, showcasing his talent with the uh, big actors. And then it's like, then it's Get Carter. Three years later, I don't care about ants. It's just voice work in '98. And then it's Driven. Then it's Detox. Mm-hmm. Then it's Avengers: and Angela. I'm like, what are we doing here? Our- I love those movies, except Driven. I hated Driven, but
1: the rest of them, like Get Carter, is one of my favorite movies. And Sly's not very happy with Get Carter,
2: but I. Love Get Carter. Well, well you it. know the funny thing? about We covered Get Carter for the, the monthly show we do, Mike. And one of the things about Get Carter is it really feels like an early 2000s movie. Mm-hmm. It's got that look and the filmmaking techniques behind it. I, I'd love to see a Sly cut of Get Carter, man, where Sly goes in and cuts that with his Well, that's his the problem. That's eye. what I'm getting at.
0: I guess that that's <laughs> it was the Get Carter review, uh, the 2000 film Get Carter, when he's 55 years old or whatever – that got me upset because I realized how many years between that and how many years afterwards, nah, he's right? at that manly stage of his life, that manly, he's not the kid anymore, but he's not old. I mean, like, I don't he's care mature how, enough I, to I be believable. How, I don't care yeah, how yeah. much you do to yourself, Sly, and I love you, but you're 75 years old. That's okay. We all. I hope to make it to 75. I hope to be in half the health you are. But the point is that golden age of men age, you know, the unforgivens and, I guess you just got actors, and thankfully, and I love these guys like Christian Bale and Leonardo DiCaprio, and I know they're A-list actors, but when, or even Tom Hanks. You know, different genres, but they, they keep producing something in these manly ages, and we're like, oh, something happened where there was this weird ten-year bubble where we barely got content, and the content we got wasn't very good, and it was during that time. I, ah, uh, it's just like we're just never you can't well, they, back but time. Just, but it's subjective, what you think is, isn't very is. good, I thoroughly enjoy.
1: I watched ICU about twenty times. I love it. Avenging Angelo. I adore that movie, and it's a horrible movie, but I adore it i'm a very
2: very guilty well, and, and in all I fairness, in all fairness, I do think Mike made an excellent point here that we sacrificed those years to get Balboa because I think Mike made a very excellent point here that Balboa would not have happened. It would not be the movie. It was had Sly's career gone the exact way it went and him, in those feelings about, those unresolved feelings about
0: Rocky yeah, Five, I, I understand.
1: And he needed five, a paycheck, I, Ryan, Ryan, right? right. He's a Hollywood star. He's got beautiful homes, cars, this he's selfish got a family. This isn't,
0: this no, isn't, but that's okay.
1: Yeah. This is therapy. You didn't know this. Actually, Craig called me or uh, just before the show, and he said he wanted <laughs> to help you through this. So, what I'm going to do, I'm going to get my pipe and smoking jacket, and we're going to
0: have you lay on a couch. Is just, this is fanboy, right? I, no, I, he's I created, understand. He's created, look, he's created Rocky, he's created Ramble gonna yeah. give us the expendables I mean these incredible franchises yeah. where we just have yeah. fun and I'm so grateful for the for the entertainment I've dedicated sure. five years of podcasting to his creations so, so he's had a huge but, effect on you yeah absolutely yeah. and but the selfish fanboy whether it's a band yeah. it doesn't matter who it is like I can name bands yeah. that I love who've wasted their years and talent like, what are you guys doing why don't we just make music together why is this so well hard Ryan and
2: not to throw gasoline on your fire here because I don't want to do that but I mean just do. look at all the unmade projects. And there's some passion projects out there that Sly still hasn't made. Imagine his Poe movie. If he was able to actually play Edgar Allan Poe, yeah, which he it can't happen now. But, I mean, right. that was a movie he wanted to make for for years. Yeah. For I mean, he wrote that script around Rocky, didn't he? Uh, before Mike, Rocky.
1: Before yeah. Rocky. And, and also remember, guys, the best the writers could come up with was – Escape plan for Arnold and Sly. Are you telling me in the <laughs> 80s they couldn't come up with a skit for Sly and Arnold? Arnold even confirmed this. He said, Sly and I were willing to waive our fees. We would take points on the back end. We wanted to. He goes, He goes, that there was just horrible scripts. They could. we it's just, weird. they, they were just the worst. So the writing wasn't there at that time. And it's, you know, it a, it's, it's there now,
2: right? And now they're older. Yeah. and well, now they got to be a little But more you know careful. what the problem is? And any idea that you need. Put the three of us right now in a room with yeah. some Mountain Dew and some Doritos. Lock sure. the door on Friday, open it on Sunday. We're gonna have a kick-ass idea. Yeah, and it's, I agree. It's, it's frustrating that Hollywood gets in its own way so many times, and, ego. And just yeah. it does. It does. But then you have a
1: movie where you watch Daylight, and you sit back. Even then, I knew Daylight wasn't going to be an Oscar-winning movie with Oscar-winning That's performances. Fine. I don't expect that from Sly. I just sat back, and I said, yeah. let me just enjoy it for what it was, like Rambo 5. All right, we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> but R- Rambo 5, I got really annoyed through most of the movie, and I'm sitting there with my brother, who is as big a R- Rambo fan as I am Rocky, and he goes, Mike. It's 2019, and we have another fucking Rambo movie. Yeah. Just who cares if, if it's I, I, stupid? And I'm,
0: and I'm actually that way. And I will say that my criticisms on this podcast regarding it's more of to avoid a vacuum because I don't want sure. to to say I love this movie. This movie is fine. Yeah, there's you know. No, I, love, I understand yeah, that. I, and I love Sly. And point. Fair and I, point. And I, Fair and point. And I, and I see everything that he does, and I enjoy everything he does. I enjoyed watching Daylight. Here's the thing. I enjoyed watching Daylight, but I have a lot to say about it sure. as a film. It's kind of one of those – we've done this before. I think another – this falls into the victory category. Yeah. There's nothing bad about this film. It's not bad enough to be funny bad, like Backtrace or, or yeah, uh, right. Escape Land 2, Escape to Hades or whatever. <laughs> it's That's so <laughs> bad and garbagey that it's just so much fun to destroy where yeah. this one is like, no, it's a serviceable film. Great. Yeah. Sure. Right. He, uh, and, and Sly was actually, he was good in it. He was a solid disaster film. Yeah. Performance. He fought gotcha. the elements and he got the guys out and he did the physicality work that you would do in a film like this. It was him. Yeah. A couple of stuntmen you saw with the HD, you can see them now. But for the most part, he's hanging on there in the mud. He's covered yeah. in mud. Yeah. He's, he's uh, and I forgot how much water was in this film. I actually forgot. There's a lot of water. Yeah. There. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Is this the longest we go in a film that
2: Sly stars in before we actually see Sly? It's, what, close to 12 minutes,
0: I think? What I liked about that, I was seeing that too, is if you were to have an alien come down and watch this film, this was the first film they ever saw Stallone in. What I liked about it is if you could – because you can't now because we ever know – but. it actually plays like he's just one of the cast of characters that we're getting introduced at the beginning. We don't know quite where his character is going to go yet. And if you hadn't yeah. seen a trailer for this film, you would just think, "Oh, Sly's a cab driver. That's weird. How is mm-hmm. he to get?" And see
1: no, no muscles, no muscle yeah. shirts. Couldn't see anything. He was he was covered up. The only other thing I could think of is Creed. We don't see Sly, but obviously Creed happens decades later. Yeah,
2: yeah, and Creed wasn't his wasn't his movie as much as it is. <laughs> but it, it just it just struck me yeah. I'm watching it and it got to the point where I almost checked the time cuz I'm like yeah. wow it's a long time that we haven't seen sly in this right, movie. Right. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, that, I didn't think about it this point. Now I'm looking back at it. Yeah, we don't we see him kind of do like a, a rhinestone pull up reveal uh
0: yeah, in the this car. Is a rhinestone sequel. This is a rhinestone Yeah, sequel. yeah, it really is. Oh, it is. <laughs> we haven't done that film. I, I haven't seen that film since it's released when I was a kid.
1: Honestly, Ryan, I don't know if you'd hate it or love it. I love it. It is in my top 10 Stallone films of all time.
2: Ryan, you, you sort of talk about the movies that Sly didn't make in his prime years. And I think Rhinestone is is another perfect example of a fork in the road in Sly's career where it would have been really interesting to see him go down that road had Rhinestone been a bigger success or if he had enjoyed mm-hmm. the experience more. I've always loved the experimental side of Sly's sure. career. And Rhinestone is 100%. In retrospect, it feels experimental. But at the time, you can see, hey, I'm going to work with Dolly Parton here. I'm going to do comedy. It was yeah. really his first attempt at legit comedy. Yeah, I, I don't think it felt as experimental in the 80s when it came out. But looking back at it, it's really commendable because and, – and I always hate drawing comparisons between Sly and Arnold – Arnold didn't go down that lane for quite a few years, and Sly jumped in that lane a lot sooner. Well,
0: I've always said Sly's actually Sly's a better actor. He's a better creator than Arnold. Arnold's a great guy. I actually like Arnold, and I enjoy his films. Arnold is a great screen presence, and with the right role, yeah. he, he's a, like he. It's hard to beat the T two character. You know that him and T two role of a lifetime. That's his Rocky. Uh, him and True Lies. Like Arnold is such a big physical presence. Yeah. He, and he's so charismatic. Even the Expendables films. He. Overshadows everybody. His, but but you know why
2: I think Schwarzenegger worked in comedy, and why, like a movie like Twins, as much as you can say the interplay between him and Danny DeVito. But even Kindergarten Cop is, I think, comedies. His accent really worked. Makes him seem more than it did, but he's not. But well, exactly. Uh, it's not a tumor, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, those funny, lines. It's
0: funny when he says it, that if our. It's funny, Sly yeah, when yeah, it, he's got yeah, yeah.
2: the accent saying it. And I think that and that was one tumor. time where his accent wasn't a liability, if you will. It actually sure. helped those movies and then helped him make two really, really memorable comedies, which yeah. I don't think Sly has two memorable comedies, or at least comedies that
0: are memorable for the right reason. <laughs> well, and I, I said Sly is. I think Sly has a great sense of humor. He's just not. Yeah, like, oh, he does, he, but he's not the greatest comedic actor. Look you
2: know at the sense. comedic moments in, in the early Rocky films. Yeah. He writes that. Is, Rocky. I tell yeah, jokes, yeah.
0: but I'm a good joke teller. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but see, that's comedy. It's subtle comedy. Yeah, it's good. It's right? not in your face it's drama, comedy. Drama it's not in a way or yeah. It, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And that's really, really hard to do. Last scene. Dawn on me watching this, have we ever seen Sly in a stretcher before? Remind me, what are the films? Wheelchair. Well,
2: wheelchair well, and an operating table. Right? Yeah. Well, in, in Rocky, yeah. Rocky 2.
0: Rocky yeah. 2. So he was in a wheelchair in Rocky 2, but was he in the stretcher, though? Well, In Copland. Uh, wasn't uh, he in the stretcher in Copland? I can't remember. No. Yeah, no. Not in okay. Copland. He walks he, it out. He walks out. I've seen every Sly film. Yeah. yeah. And this image of him in the stretcher, my brain was like, whoa, I don't think I've ever seen Sly being rolled out on a stretcher. Sure. Yeah. That's a good point. His characters always answer. kind of get out of like something. You know, he's, he's always there at the end of the film after like demolition man or whatever. He's yeah, always
2: yeah. there. Back the pocket the that for trivia night, man. Yeah. So last, if, if last, I'm wrong. last of the action here. You'll podcast the network trivia night. That yeah. definitely has to be.
1: You're uh, right. My wife goes, and we're watching it, and Sue says, they just pulled him out of the river, and his hair is yeah. dry, and he's on, this, his shirt hair. collar was dry, right? Yeah, it's like, what's going on here?
0: Yeah, you, you know, Amy was dry, too. I guess time had passed, but yeah, sure, sure. Did you notice they gave him the blanket that said Chief? Wasn't that adorable? Yeah, Ooh. exactly. Okay. Well, see, true love prevails. Yeah. Well, I, that's all I have to say about this film. See, Mike, it's not two hours long. It's not two hours long. <laughs> no, I, I didn't think it would be. I didn't think it would because, be uh, because it's that weird film again. Where I, I, don't well, no, much, I, I don't have much to say about it, like because it's not a it's not a dumpster fire. But right. I'm personally not excited by it. It's a well serviceable film. Yeah. It's a C plus for me. I that's I fine.
2: Wanna, and I and I know it's embarrassing, Ryan, but this is where I want to publicly acknowledge the tremendous gift you have as a host and your ability to steer conversations and keep things on track and keep things nice and tight and concise. It's something that I admire about you so much because I've had a tendency to get very long winded on these slide casts. So again, I'm not trying to put put you on the spot here or make you embarrassed or anything, but seriously, that is a true gift. You have as a host is your ability Streamline these conversations and keep us on track, and keep our thoughts coherent. So I, oh, wow. I really admire that about you, Ryan, and I really appreciate it.
0: That's very sweet of you. Thank you. We forgot to mention the Razzies. If Doug was here, and Doug, by the way, Mike says uh, hi. He he wishes he could be here, but he's got, what? he's moving. what's the matter? He don't like me anymore? Yeah, he doesn't like you. Yeah, he, <laughs> now, now we've gone public with it. This is embarrassing. No, he, he he's really upset that he couldn't be here. Doug always gets very upset, and I and I do too. He's such an easy target. I really think, I actually would like to hear your thoughts, Mike, because we've said it before on our show, but I'd yeah, like to hear your yeah. thoughts. Why does Sly, there's so many worse actors than him. Why is he such a golden raspberry love child? There's no way is he the worst actor on a film in 96. He was fine in this film. There's nothing wrong with what he did at all. Because heaven forbid, they give it to someone that truly deserves to have a Razzie, right? Like they should rename them the
1: Stalloneys because he's gotten so many of them over the years it became a thing in and of itself. Let's kind of goof on Sly because he's so good-natured about it. He showed up. Remember when he had the Madonna bra with the propellers and the the grenade bra, and he had a whole thing in a tuxedo? It was a whole... whole, He embraced it, and he goes, look, you want to goof on me? Come on, I'm goofable. Let's have fun with this. Then it became a thing. Every year, Stallone did a movie, he got a Razzie. I don't think he deserved one Razzie, but it's funnier when you give Rambo a Rocky, a Razzie, than if you give Pauly Shore for, you know what? Bio don't do. Uh, it, I guess. You expect Pauly Shore to suck Does it bug and him? be horrible. Does it bug him at all?
0: I mean, I don't want really to speak for him. Do you think?
1: Would, would you no. speculate? Okay. No, no. I, I think it did in the late 70s. I think it bothered him very much because remember, you guys know this. You're I'm gonna, just saying this for anyone listening. Are
0: you going to talk, talk about the Rocky scene where he talks to Adrian about the report? Well, not- Like, I wonder if that, because he wrote that in Rocky where he says. Yeah. You know, remember when I said there you know, what did I say, the, uh, those comments didn't bother me none?
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, I said that stuff on TV didn't yeah. bother me none. Well, it did. But it did in the 70s, late 70s, because he was a very professional, profound, deep, dramatic actor. And when he makes the turn with First Blood in Rocky III to become an icon, an action star, sure. no less important and no less, the hard work he put into it was, it was amazing. But it just changed his trajectory, I think, in the critics' point of view. So, And that's what critics do. And, yes, it did bother him a great deal. But I think years later, uh, especially once he, he really connected deeply with Jennifer – she was such a profound influence on him. He was able to rise above that, and it doesn't really matter because if you believe the good people say, then you have to believe the bad. He goes, eh, people are going to say what they're going to say. They're going to like you. They're not going to like you. I've heard hey,
0: too from people say, if you believe if you believe the good, you have to believe the bad, right?
1: You do your best you can. You put it out there. You will know if you failed. And he knew he failed at Rocky Five. He knew that, even though I don't think Rocky Five deserves the hate no. that it gets, but. He knew he did not bring the heat on that movie, which led us, like Craig said, like we all say, led us to Rocky Balboa and and his his comeback. I mean, it was just an amazing comeback.
2: What other Rocky movie could he have made in 1990? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And I know Ryan, you've speculated that all all that movie needs is a boxing ring with Rocky in the ring,
0: and people do a complete one hundred and eighty on it. All I'm saying is, yeah, and I'll say it again a thousand times: had that film ended within the ring, it could still have the street fight because people love the street fight. Great, have a street fight. Show the, Remember the hood rock. Fine, show show that, and then go to the uh, the ring. End it. Take a five minute. He destroys Tommy in one round. Let's be honest. Yeah, But but it wasn't just that. Though. It wasn't just the ring. I thought the ring was a very small part of it. I felt more John helped. Ableton. John <sighs> – I doubt it. I, that's my, bro, that's saw, my Kuda talking, but I'm telling you, the it, average Rocky fan who would have left that theater in 1990 – no, I, not I really. 15, I was 15 years old when I left that theater. And I met as a 15-year-old. Because I remember the trailers that came out. They kind of teased that it might be in the ring. They even teased it in the trailer. Because they knew people Ooh. like me would be so disappointed. I remember sitting in the movie thinking, okay, there's only 20 minutes left. I don't think they're going to the... I went to that the first time viewing not knowing yeah, that yeah. The, I, I was still hopeful my first time. So when I left, I can't believe they didn't finish it in the ring. So <clears throat> maybe I'm alone in we'll be- that, but... I wouldn't say you're alone in it, but the the only thing I can
1: say in in my justification is why I say it this way. What do I know about Rocky? I just take thousands of people every year on (laughs) tours, and I ask them these questions. And the response that they give me, and this is from 8 to 80, and they tell me it wasn't that he wasn't boxing in the ring. Yes, some people absolutely preferred him to be in the ring versus the street. I personally like the street because we saw it four times in the ring. He was retired. So how's he going to fight if he's retired? He, he couldn't fight. He, he couldn't be in the ring. John Avelton was not on his game. I don't think Sly was. Tommy Morrison, maybe he was a nice guy. He was a good boxer. But he was a horrible choice, I feel, for Tommy Gunn. I don't think uh, Sage was an issue. I thought Sage was one of the better parts of Rocky Five.
2: Sage's earring cannot ever be forgiven. That ridiculous, dangly, Lawrence Taylor-style earring.
1: It was Lawrence Taylor-style, right? (laughs) But I guess ultimately the point is that there there was a lot of missteps, and that's just what we saw on the camera. Then there's the behind the scenes with the producers telling them, no, 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 you can't – don't forget. He wrote the script to kill Rocky off. The movie was being filmed with a complete turn of events. So halfway through the movie, they have a certain tone that they were all acting. And now the producers say, can't kill Rocky. So now because Sly doesn't own the property, he has to rewrite these scenes. So they're going one way. And again, you guys have seen the directors uh, of
2: the work print. Yeah,
1: the work print. Yeah. In my opinion, the work print is a better Version of it. It's not perfect, but it's a better version. And even Sly uh, openly uh, went back and forth talking with me on my post, and he had said that's one movie that there was a lot of too many cooks in the kitchen. Sure, that was that. That's what he told me. Yeah.
2: Got to say, Mike, behind you there is a one of a kind collectible that I think so many people would just die Pull to have. On. The black and white painting there. I believe that's a painting you did, right, Mike?
1: Well, that one, yes. Yeah, that that's my favorite one. I did that. Signed a bunch of by
2: years. both Carl <laughs> Weathers and Sly. I didn't know that. That oh yeah yeah Carl it, it, Weathers.
1: has was such a crazy moment when that happened. Well,
2: well I, I, and I believe me and you were both in that same line. It, it was Cherry Hill, right? Yeah, it was Cherry Hill. Yeah, Monster Mania.
1: But I wasn't in line. Here's here's
2: the last story I'll say, and then I I I had to stand in line that day to meet Carl Weathers.
1: (laughs) I got hired as a door greeter. Me and Ben Franklin, we were greeters there. Okay, I saw you that day, and I didn't even know you. (laughs) Yeah, crazy, right? So my dad and my agent came with me, my manager. So when we're all done, the owners, uh, the people that were running the the Chiller Theater, they come up and they go, "Hey, Carl is in." a room off to his side by himself. He goes, there's like 500 Rocky fans in there. And there's a line. He goes, would you go in and just as Rocky go up to him and just welcome him?" You know, and I go, will Carl know? And he goes, don't worry, Carl will be good with it. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so whatever they were charging, I, I didn't have to pay. So me and my dad and, and my manager, we go in and I brought this painting with me. I had it in the car on the hope I was going to pay to go see Carl because I wanted this fine painting. I, and I never pay for anyone's signature, but I already had Sly's signature and I thought this is my only opportunity. So I, it's my one rule I broke about paying to get signatures. So I go in and I hand the painting to my father and Carl's at the front and all these people, they didn't see me walk in. And there's this long table and there's like 20 people in line and Carl's signing. And I just go, yo, Apollo, I thought you said there weren't going to be no rematch. And he leans around everybody and he goes, Stallion, you got a dull skull, Stallion. Get up here, jump. Let's finish this fight right here, right now. He wow. jumps up, and he comes around the table, and he turns into Apollo Creed. And I look at my father. I go, Dad, what, what you do you want to do? I think Apollo Creed wants to fight you. <laughs> so, I, so I take the southpaw stance, and I'm walking up like Rocky's jive walk that he had. And we just start circling. Me and Apollo Creed start circling each other. And we're throwing jabs, and we're you know, uh, shadow boxing each other back and forth and for like 45 seconds. It was crazy. And then he saw me becoming fanboy. Forget it. I, I couldn't believe I'm right. shadow boxing with Apollo Creed yeah. and I'm dressed as Rocky. This is too crazy. And so then he raises my hand at victory and he, and he just simply says, he goes, you didn't know you were going to get a show. You thought it was just a sign today. <laughs> he turns to everybody in the place and he goes, would you all mind if I just sit with my friend here just for a moment? And I'm like, oh, my God, well, what, is, what does that mean? <laughs> so we go behind the table and I'm sitting with them. Oh. And the first thing he says to me, he goes. Does Sly know about you? I go, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know. And Sly and I weren't tight back then, like we are now. And so he goes, he goes, man, this is incredible. So I gave him a copy of my book, and then I was gonna have him sign Apollo Creed, I had a Tiger, Carl Weathers. And he goes, how about we do that? But I, I started to stutter because I couldn't, th- I couldn't right. believe it was actually going down the way I had hoped it would. And of course, he just signed. Ain't going to be no rematch, Carl Weathers. Oh, nice. And then of course. The slice, the Sylvester Stallone, the sly written, Sly Stallone. It's well written. Out. It's not like a scribble. That's a whole other story, but a um, great
0: story nonetheless. Wow. Yeah. I well, never knew that I'm, story. I'm sure, Thank you so much for sharing. I'm sure our listeners he, really appreciate that too. Thank you.
2: That's it, yeah. amazing. And I don't know if this video version is going to find its way, but I think it is. I'm, I think it is. I'm telling you, Mike. That is a one of a kind. <laughs> Any Rocky fan would would give their south paw probably to, to have sly- hanging on their wall. When
1: Sly saw it, he said to me, he took it out of my hands. We were on set of Rocky Balboa out in front of Little Marie's house. Uh, yeah, you're a little to be like. We're standing there and he sees it. he comes right over to it. And I would have done it if my wife hadn't suggested. It. So he comes over, he sees, he goes, oh, my God. He goes, did you do that? I go, yeah. And he goes, may I hold it? So he takes it out of my hands and he begins to touch it. He begins to caress it, and he can feel the raised lines of the paint. And I'm like, "Holy shit, this (laughs) is crazy!" And I have about sixty people around me in Kensington. They're all smoking dope and drinking wine, like they're but they were well behaved, and so they're all cradled around us. And I said, "Would you mind signing it for me?" And I had a silver sharpie, and he goes, "Sure." So he signs it, and he goes to hand it to me, and he pulls it back, and he goes. I have one request. He goes, I don't ever want to see this on eBay. It's better than that. He goes, You captured the heart and soul and the nobility of Rocky in this painting. It's like Moses coming off the mountain, okay, with the Ten Commandments. And when he hands it back to me, and I'm just looking at him, and I'm looking at the painting, and he goes, We good? And then we took a quick picture together, and, and he goes, We good? And I go, Yeah, we're good. So then I had to walk to my car, which was like four blocks away, and I'm crying. I, I'm, I'm very, I'm, I got very emotional. I'm, a, I, ca- holy Christ! I can't believe this happened. I painted this painting. I didn't think it was all that good, and still don't love it. And you know, I talked to my wife and my father, and it was just, uh, this is crazy. Actually, that was the painting. That's the reason Sly and I kind of became friends. Three months later, I got invited to his 60th birthday dinner at the Victor Cafe. This painting came up. This is how he remembered me because of this painting. And this was the interlocker. I went from being a fanboy to a guy he recognized. Mm -hmm. And And then over the years, little by little.
2: Mike, I always love when you share those beautiful, beautiful, true, genuine Mm. moments um, with us. If you're listening to this, odds are you've watched it already, but if you haven't, Mike's documentary, The (laughs) Protector, I forgot about that. (laughs) uh, It's wonderful. We've all talked about how great it is. Mm -hmm. There's a Slycast episode within the last year where we talk about your experiences making that film, Mike. But if you haven't seen it and you're listening to this show, and maybe you're new to the network, I believe it's still on Amazon Prime. It is, Um, yeah, it is. Killer tender, uh, yeah, excellent, excellent documentary, and um, and I would even say, if you want to go even further down the rabbit hole, that is Mike Kunda. Pick up a copy of Cue the Rocky Music. It's a great read. It's such an amazing story, and Mike, Mm -hmm. you've been able to live a dream. And a lot of people don't get to live their dreams. It makes me feel good every day that I know you (laughs) and I know what this dream means to you. I met you after this dream. had already sort of started to come true. But it touches me, Mike, that somebody that is so genuinely deserving of what he's gotten, got it. Because... Yeah,
1: a tremendous amount of failure. A tremendous amount of I don't I don't say that to be Gomer pile ish but I don't think people have failed as much as I have at every. And I, in my own worst enemy, I put a lot of my own problems in my own way. But yeah, it's it really is. I didn't think I deserved it really but you know the more you just help people out and the, and the kinder you are to people I think ultimately the universe somehow repays
2: that so I'm so I'm so proud to know you and and I'm so proud that, you, that you've achieved what you've achieved and you've made the connections that you've made and that you've, you're doing what you do man it's it's beautiful and and now I, I'm connected I'm sorry. with you
1: I'm connected with you guys. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like you guys have become like an extended family to me. And, and it's so fun. And even though we <laughs> go on and on and on and on about so, there, there's so many topics we'd have so much fun with. But
2: uh, well, yeah. And, and but this is the beauty of yeah. Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. And, and, and what he's created is the three of us right now would not be talking yeah. and would not Correct. have the relationships that we have with each other. Right. Had it not been for what Sly has done and what he's made. And we're tough on him probably more than most people. I feel like but we have the, that.
0: I would say right, but, but we, he's we do. family to us in, in the entertainment world. Sure, like, and that's mm-hmm. it's like when you can make fun of your own brother or sister, or parents. Nobody else can. Like I'm a right. Fan, I'm a fan of his. Right. I can, I can say what I say because it comes from a place of love and fandom. Yeah,
2: yeah. But yeah. but at the end of the day, too, that's what makes I think our shows so authentic. Is it's yeah. not just a two hour Stallone love fest. No. There's right. probably more negative moments on the slide cast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> going I the think distance so. than there are positive ones. It's just having you know conversations that are st- steeped in tough truths sometimes. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. What a what a rich career that he's had to draw from, and uh, not amazing. It, it really is, and I know people get uncomfortable when men get emotional with each other. Not I, me, I really, man. <laughs> No, it it really is. It. It, it really is special, and some of my yeah. my favorite memories of the past. I, I've been podcasting eight years now. Some of my yeah, favorite yeah. memories are with the two of you guys, and with nice. Doug, who's not here with us.
0: Yeah, my favorite I, memories are without Doug too.
2: <laughs> no but serious you can't imagine the amount of times i've hung up the, the skype that. call or the zoom call or the yeah, call. yeah yeah and i almost don't want to hang up today and that's why i keep drawing things out and yeah, every minute that. that goes
0: by craig is another 10 minutes of me editing come on i know that's I know, hysterical. but i
2: I genuinely love spending time with you guys. Appreciate and it, that, it, 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 it's always a highlight for me. I hope that this discussion didn't go too off the rails. It's fine. And, I've, I've uh, already
0: decided on a title. It's going to be a Daylight Movie Review with a lot of salon <laughs> talk, which is great. That's why people listen to the show. Don't worry. It, Unfortunately, it, when you get me and, and Mike together, I knew that would um, happen. And I think this I, is the right film to have it happen on, quite frankly. So that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. I,
2: I, I, I think it balanced
1: the issues that Ryan had with maybe our uh, acceptance of it being a little uh, like, oh, daylight, come on, what are you doing? Uh, I think it was a good balance. I good. do. Yeah. I
0: agree. I agree. All right. So I think we've plugged ourselves. Very well. Uh, I don't think anyone really knows doesn't know where we are or who we are, so we'll just leave it at that. That's thanks so, well. Mike. Uh, thanks so, Mike. Thanks so much, <laughs> Mike, for uh, for coming on, and we hope to have you on again. Uh, thanks, guys. Looking forward to it because uh, you had a well, obviously a level of knowledge, insight, storytelling, heart that um, we just don't have. So we we appreciate that. It's, it's a treat for us and a treat for our listeners. So thank you so much, and Craig, as always, nice, nice. you're awesome. And uh, this is Ryan, and we're signing off. Till next time. I love you guys. Love you right back, brothers.